Poetry night rings through. Please bring a poem. Are you ready to record Emma Love? I don't think you are. She is a dynamic woman with amazing voice that will go anywhere it wants. Emma has been reading at Everett Poetry off and on for about two years now. Um... If you count all the time she was at our mic, it'd probably be a total of six weeks. Hey, hey, hey. Well, you, I, I want you there every week, and you just kind of roam in when all of a sudden the mood strikes you. What did I tell you about school? You have school, and you have poetry. Poetry matters. School just gets you a job if you take the right classes. So she's a... She's a young poet. She's just developing her voice. But what's amazing is how sharp and deliberate her words are. So when I listen to what she says, it has great impact on me, but more so is I can project where I think she's going to be in five years and ten years, and that is scary good. She loves playing with words. She loves seeking truth. And like many poets, she has lots of demons. But unlike most of her other poet friends, her demons are hiding over in that closet scared of her. Because she has confronted them, as you will hear in her poems. And she has made those demons her bitch. Emma Love. Oh, thank you, Dwayne. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, first, thank you, Dobby, for inviting me. Uh, he said this was going to be a little different than Everett, and he's right, it's a lot more polite here until Dwayne showed up. <laughs> um, uh, so this is my uh, new, very first chat book uh, called Given a Choice, named as such because my mother always says that when you are you don't usually get to choose what life throws at you, but when you do, you're given a choice as to how you deal with it. And whether that be good or bad, uh, it's your mistake to make, your mistake to learn from. So that's kind of the theme we have going on here, except for one I put in just because my boyfriend asked me to. So, <laughs> all right. So, and Dwayne has heard most of these, so I'm, he just needs to pretend like he hasn't. <laughs> um, this first one is called How to Get In and Out of a Psych Ward in Nine Easy Steps. Step one, be Catholic and feel guilty about it. Step two, fear everything 
The shadows on the wall, the sirens in, sirens in the distance, the thoughts of the neighbor, the tears of your mother and the anger of your father, the disappointment of your teacher and the very heart in your chest. Fall in love from a distance, close enough to see her hurt, but always too far to help. Get over it. Pick yourself up by the bootstraps. It's not that bad. It's just a nervous tick. You can stop if you try. It's not getting worse. Step five. Medicate it. It's a condition. It's an infection. It's a genetic disposition. It's anything but you. Step six. Diagnose it. It's OCD. It's anxiety. It's depression. It's conversion disorder. It's the silence, it's the guilt, it's the broken heart, and it's the fear. Step seven, fight it. Chin up, arms to your side, don't let them move. You are stronger than your subconscious. You are stronger than the electricity running down your nerves. You are stronger than anything that made you small. Step eight. Breathe. People will look at you, waiting for a porcelain doll to crack. People will judge you for the wounds that get to heal. People will applaud your bravery after they watched your battle from afar and took no arms themselves. Step nine. Be alive and be okay with it. Also, thank you to little Jasper, who's staying up past his bedtime time to see me. <laughs> um, so this next one is called Shell Shock. Um, it actually was first drafted at, this, at the Everett Poetry Nights New Year's uh, party. And it talks about a time back in... Uh, back when I was at Central Washington University when I was first starting to deal with uh, the new, rather severe PTSD. It didn't end with the attack. Tara lingered, unwelcome and persistent guest. By night, I drugged myself on NyQuil to drown me in a sleep deeper than the plague of wandering thoughts. Morning always came as a vicious assault. The snow falling outside painted a peaceful scene, but proved no comfort as brutal daydreams clawed the corners of my mind. I walked to class, and his hands retraced the crime scene. I tried to eat lunch in a crowded dining hall, but horrific images flashed so violently I had no appetite. I read alone in my room to find some peace and silence but I felt his breath on my neck as he whispered savage lies. I walked alone at night and sat on a bridge with chilly water passing below. I was no longer afraid of the dark. I had learned that cruelty walks in daylight. I learned I returned to an empty room and counted the sleeping pills. Never enough to break my mother's heart, but maybe enough to drown the tortured daydreams for a night. Yeah!
to get something lighter. Mix it up. <laughs> um. <laughs> we'll get there, Dwayne. <laughs> don't want to depress the crowd and make them leave. <laughs> um. This one is called Coloring Inside the Lines. I haven't done this one in a long time. I wasn't always this messy. There was a time when my words fit my actions and my feelings fit in shiny little boxes. But round one came and I was KO. Leading my color on the mat, I was an outline. I, I sat in self-pity, watching the colorful people walk by. All the blues and reds, purples and greens, moving so gracefully in their stride. The time came when pity wasn't enough. And when trembling hands, I picked up the crayon, laboriously mindful of borders and boundaries, I colored myself anew. And, oh God, I was beautiful. I sang and laughed and danced in the street. But round two came and I was flat on the pavement. The bus won that round of chicken. Like gasoline, my colors painted the road on their way down the drain. Now let me make myself clear. This was no time for pity. I had a life to live, people to kiss, hands to hold. This was no time for borders and boundaries. So I grabbed, my, my, I grabbed the brush and made myself a masterpiece. With splashes of red and globs of gold. So yes, I may be messy. I may stain you with stray pigments. I may leave a Jackson Pollock in my wake every step. But round three has got to come sometime. And darling, I've got no time for coloring inside the lines. Thank you for the drum. <laughs> okay. This one is called The Artist. And uh, was written around the time that I was coming out as bisexual. And what that means as being a Catholic, so. <laughs> I once tried to pray the gay away. I knelt in the light streamed through stained glass windows and I asked God if he was angry. And in a pew-shaking boom he replied, of course I'm angry, child. I am an artist. I only make masterpieces. Daughter, I crafted you with my hands. I put, I made that snark, that spark in your eyes and I put that snark in your smile. I gave you trials and tribulations to see you rise to the occasion. I gave you a tender heart to rise others with you. And you want to diminish my art? You want to slice off parts of you that I so lovingly placed? Of course I'm angry. You cannot ask an artist to paint what is popular. You cannot ask me to make what is common because I, like the painter, will always create what is beautiful. Strange, I'm so used to people at Zippy's, like, drunkenly shouting in the back. This is Yeah, no, it's it's a it's strangely polite here. <laughs> what? 
What? It was a very interesting poem that someone was reading. I blush easily at Zippy's, apparently. There's some people there. Okay, so my boyfriend couldn't make it tonight. Uh, yeah. Well, because uh, he had to work, and so I told him that what that meant is that I get to read uh, embarrassing poetry about him. So, <laughs> um, I did not, but that is perfect. I'm excited now. Um, thank you. Um, so, I'm someone who takes a long time to emotionally digest something, which is good for poetry because it stretches out the length of poems, length and amount of poems I get out of one event. So, I mean, that's good. But um, this is about the process I went through um, uh, after my boyfriend told me about, for the first time, about uh, the night he almost killed himself. It's just called Home. Ten miles to home, and he tells me he wouldn't have made it through the night. Those days, months, years, however long ago that pain felt. He wouldn't have woke to see the sun had, not a, had, had he not met a hello from a friend strolling the boardwalk. It's eight miles to home, and I'm thanking him for his strength, saying, I would be pissed if you had not stuck around long enough to meet me. With sober smile, he observed that I would have never known, never cared if he existed or not. But I, I would have known. I know you're not religious, but I'm Catholic. His sardonic eyebrows interrupted me. Okay, I'm a bad Catholic. I don't go to church, and I believe in human rights and shit. But nonetheless, I am a woman of faith. And I am telling you, I would have known six miles to home, and I'm explaining, there is a place in me he has lived my entire life. I would fall asleep in the arms of others and wake up lonely and confused as something within me screamed, this is not it, this is not them, this is not who you were meant to love. Four miles home and I'm remembering. Quiet corners in the library where I longed to hold his hand but reached for a book instead. Or those nights on the roof watching the sun go down and wanting to tell him how forlorn the orange on the clouds felt, but settled for poor imitations on, with pencil and paper. It's two minutes, home, two minutes from home, and I'm clarifying that we're not halves of a whole. We do not, we do not complete each other, filling cracks of our character. Instead, we are two people, each broken and battered in our own ways, and we each fought our own bloody wars. We can't fix each other, but we can learn to pick up the pieces together. But not, by now, the only words I have left in me are I would have known, because with you I am home. So you got the uh, the right after 
uh, I got diagnosed with PTSD poem. Now you get the a little later on where the whole anger stage sets in. So this is for you, Dwayne, for the darker stuff. (laughs) This is called Prometheus. Give me a lighter. I'll burn it all down. Every lie you ever told, every heartstring you ever tore, I'll send it to ashes. Ashes to ashes, I'll send you to the graveyard of people who hurt me. The headstone will read, here lies a man convicted by morality and not by law. And there I'll dance and laugh and smile. Everything you took from me, I'll be on your grave. I will be everything. Everything you ever feared, everything you ever loved, I'll be it all. From the grave you'll watch as I fly, fly beyond the canyon you tore in me because I filled that canyon with strength and triumph. Well, you dug your grave of self-pity and shame. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Here, I'll give you a lighter. This next one is also along a similar track. There's a theme to this chat book, if you couldn't tell. Um... This one is called Why I Make My Bed. It's a lot about insomnia. Each morning I make my bed, though I know come evening I will dishevel it once more. The night is a war zone where emotion and rationality bear their gnarled teeth catching thought and conscious they're captive. In my desperate fight against insomnia, I kick and writhe in sheets with a bewildered sense that any toss or turn may unearth a blissful reprieve from waking thought. And in the gentle hours of the morning, when sleep finally prevails, like a river cracking the dam, I am greeted in this long-awaited dream with fear and crippling dread, only found in shadows of subconscious. And so I wage on this new encounter. My limbs sweat in their cotton constraints, and when the dawn brings that innocent light, I am drenched in the blood of my dream and demons, my bed a pitiful memento in its desperate upheaval. Then, with shaking hands, I smooth, crease, and tuck the, ba- the blankets of this battleground to their peaceful rest. There is no sign of war in cotton covers and a neatly made bed. A facade of hope in which I willingly deceive myself. Reset, recover, repeat. This is the last one. It's a short chat book. Um, I, I, I brought a couple more. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> um, This is the one that my boyfriend asked me to put in. So it's not exactly consistent with theme, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) This is called A Loving Sacrifice. I asked the ocean, why won't you love me? The roaring silence rolled for days. Each morning I I came to clean her beaches and feed her gulls. Until one evening, with the sea in my eyes, I screamed, why won't you love me? And her reply in wavering voice, she can never give back without taking, she can never give without taking back more at the peak of elation. 
she said. With each tide, I claw my way through this wilting earth, and so too will I erode the very being of you. So don't you see, my dear, you want so badly for me to love you that I couldn't bear to let you love me. So that's the entirety of this short little chat book. dollars 25 I was uh, I was Zippy says a lot more people I was <laughs> expecting a bigger crowd but I like the smaller crowd it's easier to speak with you, you look like you're about to say something okay <laughs> what what's what's going on <laughs> Okay. Okay. All right. Well then. <clears throat> Thanks, Dwayne. So this is a rather newer one, not as polished as the other ones. Um This is about um kind of the development of my relationship with God throughout the entirety of getting through struggles and whatnot and um, what it means to accept that. Dear God, I used to wonder what I did to you. I thought I owed you nothing, least of all gratitude. You gave me mountain after mountain, no rope to climb with, hurdle after hurdle, no track to run on. I used to stare at the sky and ask you what was so damn funny. I spit at the ground when you could only offer silence. So I climbed and I ran so I could stand instead of bow and say, look who's laughing now. And I know we haven't spoken in a while. Heart in hand here, I feel like a child but here's the thing, people keep asking me where I learned to walk like I know where I'm going, where I learned to talk like I'm all-knowing. And all I can say is in the mountains on a racetrack. Ask me to clarify, I mean, I wanted you to believe I had the answers and a road map, and they look at me now a symbol of strength, and they look at me now an example of grace? If the Bible is true and all you want is for me to love you, but you knew strength would come in, uh, come in spite of you, I have to say that's pretty damn selfless. And if, I, and if Sunday school rings true, if there's still a road back to you, you should know I owe you everything, most of all, gratitude. Did I just go too far? Maybe a little bit. Oh, did I just go too far? Maybe a little bit. Did I 
Did I just go too far?